Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to bleep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. with joel and ryan season five wow. we it is a new year it is a new time it is uh well it's the but it's the kind of the same old uh same old world from the last couple of years uh we are <laughs> we but ryan and i boy ryan and i where we are at we have uh just uh made it through another abysmally cold week here in the uh, upper midwest um but we are back we are we are back together again just the og movie show um and yeah we're happy to have you here i am joel and i'm ryan and uh yeah and we are going to uh we are going to talk about um uh some of the stuff coming up we're going to talk about the stuff from last some stuff from last year we uh have a whole bunch of good stuff going on ready uh for the movie show with Joel and Ryan. Um, but first, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, we started the year um, or ended, I guess, and uh, we ended the year and started 2022. Uh, did I say, wait, did I say 2020 earlier? Uh, we were People talking about what oh, you were I, talking about. Oh boy. <laughs> I still yeah. write 2020 on my checks. <laughs> well, that's because you're still using checks um <laughs> checks are very convenient <laughs> um i but, love that uh, i love the looks that people get on their faces behind me in the grocery store line when i <laughs> whip that checkbook out and plop it down mm-hmm. on the little they still have the little check writing platform there for yes me. and you should turn to them and go let me put something in the memo uh, and then <laughs> groceries mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, so we're, uh, no, we're going to look back at some 2021, but we ended 2021 and started 2022, uh, with some sad news. Uh, we've lost two absolute giants, um, of the, uh, of the acting business, um, in Betty White and Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I mean, but I mean, yes, it's tragic that they're gone. It's sad that they're gone. However, could two people have lived bigger, fuller lives where they just were absolutely so impactful and at the, and, and so beloved. Um, yeah, just, uh, just, just crazy. And, you know, 99 and 94 respectively. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah, we they, all be sad. they were they were self-actualized folks who lived a long time and lived a full life and left a, a just a full legacy behind them and that's it is sad don't get me wrong but it it is it's easy to it's easier to celebrate than to mourn somebody when 
especially a public figure that you're, you know, that you're not acquainted with when, when they have that sort of history behind them, it, they were very much their own person, you know, it, uh, yeah. Betty definitely in had a whole public life. And, and of course she, I don't know how, I mean, I like that she was recognized this last few decades as just this sort of legend. I feel like, I feel like the legend obscures some of the, who the person is. Sydney's mm-hmm. sort of the opposite. He just, you know, when he wasn't working, he was, where was he? He was nowhere. <laughs> you couldn't find him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so his, his, his thing is all basically up on the screen, which is kind of cool. And he was a guy who walked away from the business at the top of his game two two separate times. And that's, that always yeah. makes us all go, what? Don't we? I yep. mean, we we chase those people off into the retirement, wondering. It's. It, I think it's fun. I mean, I don't know. I wish he'd have made more movies because he was awesome. But I think it's fun when you just quit and go away, and everyone's like, "Where did you go?" And will you come back? And uh, it's mm-hmm. exciting from a from a people who talk about entertainment standpoint. That's very exciting stuff. Whereas uh, yeah. Betty, I don't know. She just she really got to be, <laughs> she just well, really got yeah. to be sort of worshipped and celebrated for a lifetime of achievements, twenty years and counting, really before she left us, which is neat because not a lot of people, you know. Thanks. Just some folks chipping in here. Yep. Want, <clears> want <throat> to want to correct some of my story you know that happened White. but yeah, that's that neat though isn't here. it because that doesn't happen normally if people are taken away from us early we don't get to kind of put them in perspective and i feel like yeah. she as a as a not so much as an actor which she's a really really good actor mm-hmm. but just as a she, as yeah. like a person that t- touched everybody was mm-hmm. and and you know and yeah and and super you know and and did all this you know the charity work that she did for animals and uh you know and just also someone who absolutely just you know uh uh worked both television and film and had no you know and just and, well and, and yeah. going back stage in the early years of television sketch mm-hmm. comedy and of course she had her own talk show back then yep uh, fam- famously un- sort of uncompromising comedy show, and um, you know, so it, it's just it's it's tough. It's it's a life in entertainment, really. You know, mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. think from a scholarly perspective, and I think in film class, it's very easy to take Sydney and put him in a little box of what he was, because right. I think he lived his he worked his career and lived his life in a way that he was focused on that like that one thing mm-hmm. and she would just, she could show up and do anything. And that's, I mean, yeah. that's like a true vaudevillian entertainer. She could just do anything. Yeah. And yeah, she, you know, you know, you know when Sidney Poitier was in a, in a, when he was on screen or when he was in a project, there was, you know, he was bringing that, you know, he had that natural gravitas that, um, 
you know, even in a movie, I, you know, I, you know, we talk about sort of when he came back, you and I were talking uh, the other day, um, or was it maybe just yesterday? Time has no meaning. Uh, but we were talking about how when he, you know, he came back and, you know, he did some kind of lighter stuff like sneakers and stuff. But even in something like sneakers, when Sidney Poitier was on the screen, it was like, damn, that's it. He, he's bringing it. He just brings, he had a such a natural presence, a, this huge gravitas to him that it was like when he says something you pay attention they utilize him well in sneakers because of course sneakers is this a clown show everybody is uh you know between eight and ten the whole time and there's all this goofiness and you've got redford who's really fun in it but who is Mm -hmm. a bit of a standoffish guy as a leading man and and poitier is great i mean you could have gotten i think any actor like that of that generation to do that role but he's he's fun in that and he's yeah he's having fun whilst not really eschewing his sort of his approach to things which is neat it is a little Mm -hmm. weird that he you know at the at the height of his career as a leading man that he sort of walked away from the business and then when he did come back in the late 80s for whatever it was five or six years there he did he didn't really do anything like that he he but it's still fun. Like it's still yeah. great to see him, and it's great that we got that little. Hey, I'm gonna do this again, and I'm not gonna take mm-hmm. it quite so seriously as I did. Like he really felt like that was a nice. It's a it's a nice stamp on his career, right? If there's no uh, you know, in in the heat of the night or anything like that in the '90s. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But man, and um, then the. I mean, almost every movie that he did, they, he got into a rut of, you know, they wanted to, he did he, the sequels of his own films, you know, which I never I always thought were a little, I mean, they're not bad. They're like the monster movie sequels, you know, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're just not as good. And, and that when you start to fill up your resume with that, it's a little weird, but right. I, I loved him every time he showed up. And I mean, he, he just, I don't, he was one of a kind. It's hard to explain, but if you know that history of movies, when you pop a movie in from his heyday in the '60s and early '70s, it it, it it you could just count on it being a certain kind of thing that where the material is taken real seriously and the stuff is elevated. It's not that there's not mm-hmm. humor or whatever in it, but it. I just I loved that. I loved that he put a as a movie star, which he really was, he put a stamp on the kind of work that went out there. That's an extraordinary thing for someone who was in his position back during that time period. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's the same with Betty. Cause she showed up yeah. in plenty of things, especially when she was kind of middle-aged and was showing up in all the TV dramas and stuff of the early eighties and rather serious roles she she still it's the same she still put that she still had that wink and twinkle in her eye you know yeah there's a great scene in an old episode i mean i don't talk about this. this is not a highlight of betty's career obviously with golden girls and with all the other things that she's done you know i always joke i always joke about her saturday night live appearance because the people of america basically made that happen Right. Which isn't an easy thing to do, but somebody got the idea and then the internet was like, yes, this has to happen. And they they just petitioned and protested and just made enough noise until that happened. I think that's really neat. Mm-hmm. But there's a neat scene where she plays an animal rights activist, of course. 
and she's arguing with Ed Flanders, who's a, the head hospital administrator at, at St. Allegis Hospital. It's a great old ensemble drama show. And, and they're, it's a fantastic episode because they're both arguing the points of it's basically animal testing in that, in those days mm-hmm. when she was super against, she was almost a, for, from a 1984 perspective, she was almost an eco-terrorist on that show, but it was fun yeah, that they yeah. found a, the thing, you know, she's known for all her Johnny Carson appearances and her fearlessness amongst even super dangerous animals, which I'm always yeah. think is neat when you yeah. look back on it. But it, I loved, it was fun I mean, that was... that show utilized that, but did it in a way that attacked the subject directly. Yeah. It's cool. I also, uh, I also love, I saw somebody tweet because uh, people magazine had already put out uh, an issue celebrating at Betty at 100, Betty White at 100. And for yeah. her to die just shy of it, uh, somebody tweeted, they're like, till the very, very end, talk about someone who just had masterful comic timing. Yeah. <laughs> just just like, uh, you know, I know you have this whole issue, but ha I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and call it a day now. Um, so yeah. So, okay. So Betty White, Sydney Poitier, two absolute giants. And boy, if, uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking for, uh, a couple model lives to try to live, you know, it's, you never had people saying too many bad things about Betty White and Cindy Poitier. (laughs) So, (laughs) nope, you won't, you won't, you won't find them. You won't hear any about any exposés about (laughs) how they were truly monsters behind the set or anything like that. That's the true Hollywood Hollywood story, the dark side of (laughs) Betty White. But that's, and that's of course part Mm. of the, part of their greatness and part of why they're so beloved too. So, you know, that does, that makes me think there's this, I don't, I don't remember why they did or if it was just a behind the scenes fun thing on the, uh, the movie, the proposal, uh, they, they did this sort of behind the scenes sketch or it was like make the making of, and, and it was the whole kind of secret premise was, is that Betty White was actually this horribly, horribly rude person and so mean, mean to Ryan Reynolds. And, and, but of course to everybody else, she was just super, super sweet. And no one would believe that she would say these horrible things to, uh, to Ryan Reynolds. I actually remember that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. And it was really funny. And then, you know, it's like, they're like, and they're like, Oh Betty, I can't believe he was so mean to you. And then behind. And it was weird. It's another example of how, uh, Ryan Reynolds was a much better actor reacting to that in that behind the scenes thing than he was in the actual proposal. (laughs) Oh, uh, dear listeners, just wait until we do the deep dive on the movies of Ryan Reynolds and, uh, and and where we can, where Ryan can really get into. And uh, and a part that's just me digging at Ryan Reynolds because I can, why not? I have a movie show and he annoys me, but it's also (laughs) true. Like he's really good in that sketch. The only way that sketch works is if Ryan shows up and is the straight man and (laughs) reacts to that in a genuine way. Otherwise, if he's just hamming it up, it's not funny. And he, it's, it is cool that he knew that and yeah. did it right and, and made it really, really humorous. So mm-hmm. I, anyway, yeah, I think that's funny. It was, yeah. And yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, um, uh, this year we're going to get, I think we're going to get a little bit uh, back. We're going to 
spend a little bit of time, try not to spend too much time every week, but because we do, uh, you know, we know we get a little long winded and that's yeah. fine. That's, that's us. We're a bit loquacious. Um, indeed. Um, uh, and uh, but we do want to start uh, sort of re uh, uh, t- talking about a little bit uh, um, about what we you know what we've been watching, what sort of things have we been uh, have we been partaking in, and uh, you know and we'll try to we'll try to keep it brief. And and this week we get to be really brief about it because when I say Ryan, hey, what you've been watching lately? Oh well, because we're gonna. We're going to pretty much the whole month of January here and some of February. Talk about it. We're going to go back through the years, the year. Today yeah. we're kicking off like we kick off every year with a deconstruction of the previous year's Oscar ceremony. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, you know, we could talk Oscars at the time the Oscars come out, but we think it's fun to wait a year and see what sticks and what doesn't and like get you know you don't you don't get a lot of historical perspective but you get just a little bit of it which i think is useful and interesting um so we're gonna do that today and that's a bunch of stuff from 2020 and because the oscars were weird last year it's a bunch of there's Mm -hmm. a handful of things from 2021 mixed in there as well this year the oscars are the end of march oh okay i'm getting ahead of myself but what but yeah what yeah. if, you, if you're gonna wait till the end of March, man? Nobody's gonna care. What are they thinking? They just thinking mm-hmm. that the health of people is gonna be better by March because it isn't. It's yeah. just weird. That, that seems like a dumb idea. They should be promoting movies now, you know. But whatever. We'll talk about that right. later. We'll talk right. about that as we go through the week. But I just in general, I want to say I you know I watched a ton of movies. I was I was joking with Joel that. You know Hollywood sucks and all this, and Joel was coming to Hollywood's defense and saying, "No, nah. I mean he wasn't arguing with me, but you were like, no, nah, maybe Hollywood I, doesn't I, suck." But yeah, I mean, and actually, they did the, some okay things. Yeah, they did do some okay things, and so we're going to talk about a lot of those. We're we're not going to talk about a lot of the end of the year theatrical exclusives coming up, which is too bad because there's some really interesting things in there. It's fun mm-hmm. to save them, but it's too bad that. That the only conversation I can have about those theater exclusive films is is the news that's out there about them and not the movies themselves. So, but we're going to talk right. about a ton of movies themselves, and there's a lot to talk about. We're going to move through it a little slower than we normally do. Normally, the fun of that, the very first one we did, is a really fun show back at the beginning of season two, where I got a hundred movies in in one show, and I did it by just. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it was fun. It had a that fun James Bond show energy to it. But uh, you know, we're not going to be doing deep dives that don't look up or the Matrix Resurrections or you know, I could go through the list of stuff that's just come out recently. So I think these shows, these upcoming shows, are going to have a lot of mo- modern films in them. And if that's what you want, a viewer's guide, or you want our take on the stuff that's available out there right now, that's still relatively fresh, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to get that in a different way, in a sort of slow, more thoughtful way than we normally do these. But that's what I'm watching. I'm watching that stuff for those shows right now, so I'm going to kind of keep right. to myself what they are. But sure. I am all for bringing back What Are You Watching? Because... Yeah, you can bet I'm uh, always watching something. What are you watching? 
Um, well, I mean, I, there, there's some movies in there and we're going to, you know, again, we're going to be talking about, uh, these movies over the next few weeks. So, um, uh, I won't mention that, but I do want to give a little shout out. I just recently discovered the series letter Kenny, uh, wow. over the, uh, the summer, the Canadian show letter, letter Kenny. And, um, I find it absolutely, uh, just wonderful and hilarious and, uh, unique and so unique. Um, and so I've been uh, watching episodes of that, and I can't say enough about the HBO series um, Station Eleven. It's mm. based on one of my favorite books um, from a couple years ago, and it's uh, it's really lovely. It's really uh, it's in some in some ways very hard to watch, but um, it's uh, it's also just this. It's just a really wonderful story, and and. Um, so uh, I can't say enough about those. So uh, that's what I've been watching. So, um, all right. So last year was a year of change, a year where we, with how we watched movies became very different because we weren't able to go to any movies. Uh, a few tried. Um, most did not. Uh, but Didn't even try. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, mo- they all tried. I mean, no, they they didn't try. To, like, I just meant like to go into theaters. They right. They we all... still we still have a a pile of films that could have come out in nineteen twenty that are two thousand twenty. Sorry, that are waiting to be released even as of mm-hmm. now. So mm-hmm. there's still. And, um, some bet hedging going on as far as that, but it was a weird year, weirder, I think, than this year we just got through only because they really were doing it. They were making all those decisions on the fly and they had no idea what to expect Mm -hmm. when they were doing it. Whereas now we're into the kind of weird routine, you know, different with different policies and stuff. We can talk about those. We can talk about same day streaming and how long the, you know, the theatrical window should be and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that there, the 2021 was a post sort of COVID where they had mm-hmm. some of it figured out. And then, and then, and most of the surprises, a couple of them were sad, but most of them were overwhelmingly positive when they were shocked by something. It was usually how well it did as opposed to, how poorly it did. And that's encouraging for people who run movie theaters and stuff. Mm -hmm. But today we really are traveling back to that weird year where, and I think these group, this group of nominations that we're going to walk through all the films that were nominated for best picture anyway, um, like we do every year. And then we're each going to pick a different winner than the one that won. But I, when you look back on 2020, it really was, what are we doing? They didn't really know. And the 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 films nominated, we'll talk about, there's some really weird similarities amongst the bulk of them. But, yeah. you know, that I think are kind of, I don't know what they that means, but we'll talk about it and see if we can figure it out a little bit. But right. really, it's it's what they could release and not, be devastated by the lack of money that the stuff brought in or, or there's a few on the list where they could release it. And the, just the raw streaming numbers were enough to make them happy that they didn't need to have actual box office receipts to justify their existence. It's an interesting group of movies. So I guess. All right. 
Let's get into it. This is our alternative Oscars for the 93rd Academy Awards. That's right. Indeed, indeed. Hooray. Hooray for Hollywood. For Hollywood. Um, All right. So uh, our, uh, see, do we want to just read through, do we just want to start at the top and go through the. uh, Yeah, I don't think we should read through them. We'll just do them one at a time. Take them one at a time. Take them on one at a time. Yeah. The first movie we're going to talk about. The big winner. the big winner of the night uh, was uh, Nomadland, um, which was directed by uh, by Chloe Zhao, I believe is, uh, I, I hope I'm saying that right, Chloe Zhao, yep. um, and uh, starring uh, Francis McDormand, and uh, yeah, and the, the story of, um, you know, people who uh, live out of their live out of their vans and just kind of travel around and live a very nomadic uh, existence um, and uh, and yeah and that is that that's our winner <laughs> that's our yeah winner. it's it and I think it, well we can dissect why it won what's great about it is probably the reason it won best picture because there's a lot of these I don't they're not they, it's not that they don't have plot points in them, but there are a lot of these sort of non-plot-related slice-of-life films on this list. Yeah. And and whatever style the filmmaker brings to them, because uh, this, this film is... This film captures something visually that's really interesting. It, it always feels like it's... They, in the... In the in the business, they call it magic time or whatever, you know, right before the sun sets or right as the sun is coming yeah. up. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel magical in the film. It So it, that's kind of the wrong term. But it definitely has this sort of bronzy, ambery glow over the thing. And, and it visually, it's really interesting. It includes the people who actually live this life. So there's a docudrama feel to it. That's very, very real. It feels extremely authentic because the vast majority of the vans and trailers and pickup trucks and things, tractors that you're seeing are, are real and being lived in occupied by and operated by the real deal. This, you know, these tribe of people that sort of move around together and, um, but it, what it really is the story of this singular person. Um, what's her name again? I'm sorry, you just said the actor's name. Uh, Francis McDormand. Uh, yeah, Francis McDormand. Um, it's really it's her movie almost a hundred percent. She she st- the movie starts out and she's already living a rather nomadic life, but it's it's her economic reality. She's living out of uh the back of this van and she's do, doing some warehouse work seasonal warehouse work for amazon and she's picking up jobs where she can but she's just she doesn't have a home to go to you get the impression that that character when the film starts would 
still really like that and that there's this real sense of loss of that home base and that family, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's her reality that, that and then she when she stumbles upon these people who actually live this way by choice, then there's a whole other awakening and way of looking at it. But it's not it's not even as and that's why these movies are hard to talk about because I like to get into plot points and you know what's surprising and how things are done stylistically like th- these these sort of point the camera and let it happen stories which a lot of these are this one more than any of them um they're harder to talk about because it really is a, yeah. it's not about there's an evolution to her character but it it doesn't evolve it doesn't evolve sorry around a <laughs> A convenient dramatic arc yeah. that I'm used to seeing yeah. and being able yeah, to discuss you, in these things. It's yeah, random really like, and it's weird yeah. and it feels like life. It feels like it's what's the next thing that's being thrown at you? Who's the next person that's going to sort of rattle you up and make you think of things a different way or who or going to sort of try and tie you down and bring you back to more conventional mm-hmm. way of living? And it it's it's all of that. So there's a lot of drama in it, but. And it's yeah. it, it it culminates in a really beautiful place, which I think is kind of amazing. So I'm a big fan of Nomadland. I really really liked it. I thought it was the easiest, par- partly because of the fantastic performance. Um, Francis won the Oscar for Best Actress. Uh, actress, sorry. I'm in the habit of calling all actors actors and not actresses, but for yeah. the Oscar purposes, we have to get back to that because it's a it's truly a different award. Um, you know, she deserved it. She really makes that movie what it is. And Chloe's hand. And I, I wonder what the editing room was like for it. I mean, how much of a movie did they make? How much of this was right. planned and how much of it was captured? If it was planned and it feels this captured, really, really impressive. If it was right. just captured and assembled into a movie that feels like a fully experienced dramatic thing that's yeah. equally impressive so it kind of however it was done i you know it it's yeah. worthy of the award it's hard to it was hard this year for both joel and i to pick an alternate one but right. but we did and yeah, but no I, all hats off to nomadland it really is you yeah, should see I mean, it it's really, really one of a kind you know watching watching the trailers when it you know when it came out and you know and it was released on amazon prime uh which you know um you know and so watching the trailers for it watching the advertisements for it it honestly did feel like it was a documentary you know it it felt like oh this is going to be a documentary which as we all know uh listeners to this show know that i'm a sucker for documentaries um and so uh yeah it it and and there you're you're right it's it is this it it has that documentarian uh sort of hand to it mm-hmm. uh which is i, I think a is, big fan of documentaries this this will push your documentary button even though that is not yeah. technically what it is yeah and it's not technically not what it is but it, it i mean it is <clears throat> it's it's essentially it's a lot like <clears throat> excuse me it's a lot like the um you know it, this is really i don't mean to trivialize or or, you know down down but it's kind of like any of those uh shows you see where like the celebrity person goes in you know to essentially to learn about oh we're gonna go you know uh 
ah, you know, Will Smith gets to climb this mountain today or whatever with the yeah, or so and so gets to find out people. about their genetic heritage. Right, what will it be? right, and it and it's kind of like that, and so you get to see, you know, so. You know, but in this case, it's not Francis McDormand doing this. It's Francis McDormand as this character Fern doing it. And, um, and, and, you know, yeah, and you see her uh, really, you know, really start to, uh, you know, this, this, yeah, her and her change. It, it is, it's not like, uh, you know, it isn't this, uh, it's not like one singular event comes in and, you know, and, and thrusts her into this sort of weird it's you know, just weird. heard both of us try and tell you what it is and it's it, it it's not that it's so tricky it's just that it's it is sort of and there have been movies like this before but it's still just sort of unconventional and yep. there's a handful of them here they're all kind of common there's at yep. least four of them that were nominated this year that are that have a very similar approach where you know it, it, the storyline the inciting incident isn't the thing the thing is yeah the thing is discovery and, and in a very honest and very earthy way, you know, Frances yeah. is great because she, she brings the drama with her and yet the whole thing feels very alive and, and yeah. fresh, you know, you, 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 so of, of the ones that are like this, this, this was the best, I think. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I think you could make the argument that, that the Academy got it right. Um, but for our show here today, we um, we are going to respectfully disagree. <laughs> well, the game we, is the game yeah. is we we pick different ones and we then we gotta make a cause... case for them. And some yep. years we're eager to do that. This year we were mm -hmm. like, this year we were both sitting here late last night going, well, I don't know which one I'm gonna. I, I mean, I guess. We, so we, it's an excuse yeah. to talk about the Oscars mm -hmm. from last year more yeah. than it's a wait till you hear our picks. Yeah, um, America. Right. You know. Yeah, but... uh, a movie that not neither of us picked. Uh, I think it's, uh, <laughs> but but it um, but it did win the Academy Award for Best Actor, which I think surprised. I mean, that was a big surprise for. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to the end in, of the ceremony at, at the end yep. of our show where it's most appropriate. But yeah, you're yep. right about that. Um, but it is uh, it is the father. Yes, which I didn't. Which I, I freely admit I did not see. So maybe it's the most amazing thing in the world, but I it, did not see it. It really is the most amazing thing in the world in in one key <laughs> aspect. I mean, it really is. It really okay. is. It make it does the work in a very conventional, no tricks, no frills sort of way of making you experience at least a taste of what it's really like to be losing losing your mind losing your sanity um the way senility sort of attacks your reality it makes you feel that viscerally and that's uh i've never seen a movie that's able to do that and i've certainly never seen one that's able to do it so elegantly and simply as this one does it it it's a, it's a powerhouse performance like <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, who did win Best Actor, and I think appropriately so. It's it's it. I mean, he's we're used to his bag of tricks and stuff, but this this film, it has a big Oscar moment in it. But I really think it wins because of the 
the, just the raw honesty and fear with which he plays this sense that his reality is always in flux. And I, I, I kind of don't, uh, this is di a little different. This is kind of a slice of life movie too, because the plot as it is, isn't the thing that's so important, but this film does have a trick. It has a gimmick to it, but it's, it's a trick and a gimmick you could do on stage if you wanted. It's, it's that simple. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm so impressed with that from a cinematic standpoint. It's also a gorgeous film. Uh, Olivia Coleman, uh, Rufus Sewell. There's a whole bunch of really great. Imogen Poots is Imogen really Poots, great in yeah, it. Yeah, Imogen Poots, Olivia Williams, Olivia Coleman, Mark Gaddis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it 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 really is amazing. I mean, I really recommend everybody kind of watch The Father for that reason. I always say that um, I almost picked this for my movie of the year because I liked it so much, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to start a letter writing campaign or anything. This movie's, <laughs> there's already a lot of people angered at this movie for no good reason. I refer at least for nothing that the movie itself did. And I don't mm -hmm. want to, I don't want to add to that. So I'm going to, I kind of, kind of shy away from it, but it, it just is really amazing. It just shows you what's, what, you know, of course they had Anthony Hopkins and Olivia Coleman and stuff. So it's in a way it's that you can't just do it with anybody. I, right. You know, I'm always saying, well, acting, it's no big deal. You know, junior high kids, they're acting. That's I can still watch that and enjoy myself and be like, well, they're telling Joel's always like, professionals are different and blah, blah, blah. And he's got, because he's a professional actor, he would know. <laughs> he has a different take on it. And it really is. Sometimes it's like, you really do feel like you're watching something only a handful of people in the world could have delivered to you. Right. And this right. movie does feel like that. It really does feel like you you know, yeah, I see, you could do it on stage, but no, you in a way you can't. Maybe you can. I don't know. You get what I'm saying, though. It's it's uh yeah. Well, it it's. I mean, the plot the plot is I've always found interesting from what I've read about yeah, go, it. Uh, do you have do, a caption so we can just? Those, uh, will, those mean, will help with these if we have them. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't. The let me, two sentences. IMDb. Yeah, let me go to the IMD. I, I did have to say, I was looking up what other like what other awards it was nominated for and what other things are. Um, and my favorite, and because I, I did not know that this was a thing, was um, it did win Best Actor for Anthony Hopkins for uh, uh, at the AARP's Movies for Grownups Award uh, <laughs> awards. So, oh my God, um, are you getting the uh, AARP spam in your inbox the same as me? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Come on. Uh, not yeah, cool. Very, take very off. excited to uh, I'll be doing that to to, to get old, um, <laughs> or get old older. Where is the yeah? Well, the father link? will make you even less excited about it. I would imagine, <laughs> but it it is so well done. It's really really well done. Every every second of it is rather enthralling, and even the quieter, more peaceful moments are all part of the puzzle. To you know give you an, a singular cinematic experience and a singularly empathetic cinematic experience, which we're always pimping around here as what the game is. This movie more than the rest just made me feel something that I didn't think I could on my own, that I could with my own imagination that I could feel that mm -hmm. that's its true triumph. So, and that's certainly the triumph of its main character. Okay. So here's the, uh, here's the little blurb. Uh, a man refuses all assistance from his daughter as he ages, and as he try, 
as he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, he begins to doubt his loved ones, his own mind, mind, and even the fabric of his reality. It's good. Yeah. That's, that's a, a, that's, that's a that's little a long solid. caption, but that's still a pretty good. Does a nice well, job. technically, that's only two sentences, but yeah, that's they're uh, long sentences, though. Let's come on now. But nevertheless, it's that's that's good. That sums it up really good. Mm -hmm. We should have done that for Nomad Land too, but I think we got there. Let's try and do that for each of these, though. It'll help a lot with a couple of them. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> um, but I, but, uh, I like yeah. the father very, very much. I really, really did, and it was really, really strong. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Next up is uh mank which was uh it led it led all nominees uh, i believe it had like 20 nominations or something like that um and uh yeah it is the uh it is a biopic about herman j mankowitz um <laughs> what's great and, about mank and what's frustrating about it both is is that uh and i'll let you read the what it is here in a sec but it what's mm -hmm. great about it is that it's it it it, it isn't thankfully a biopic in any sort of normal way. Um, even sure, though it yeah. is, it, it just isn't, it eschews basically all of the cliches that go along with that sort of idea. It's much more like nomad land, which is, it's just this thing where we follow this guy around for these couple of weeks and we learn all this stuff and all these weird things happen. It's, it, it, it's unusual in that it's highly stylized, and yet when you break it down, it's really just a slice of life story instead yeah. of a formal. I don't think you really even learn what the dude was all about by watching it. It's it's a window into another world, I guess. But go ahead and yeah. read the plot synopsis, such as it is. It's uh, 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. So golden to golden age of golden age. It really much is the golden age of Hollywood uh, uh, yeah. stuff. There's a really great, much more formal, more the making of Citizen Kane film. It's the name. It's the catalog number of the film RKO like 281 or something. Yeah, I'm getting, something, the, yeah. I'm getting the number wrong because I'm terrible with numbers. But it's got uh, Liev Schreiber plays, uh, it's an old HBO movie, Liev Schreiber plays Orson Welles, and Mankiewicz is played by John Malkovich. Yeah. Um, I benefited greatly watching this movie by having seen that one. <laughs> oh, I, I really agree. I really did I because agree. that movie broke it down for you in this nice, clean, simple way, and it told this behind-the-scenes story of the making of one of these remarkable films of all time really Mank just doesn't it doesn't throw you a bone at all like that and that's not bad i mean but it's why i think it was frustrating for a lot of people david fincher has been making um you know he's a he's a he's considered a modern of our generation he's considered a modern auteur director but he's been making gone girl and if you look at the films that are on his list uh, the the English um, girl with the dragon tattoo, and you just follow yeah. it all the way back. Even something like Zodiac, which is a really challenging film, he's still been making films for the masses, basically. Uh, right. Benjamin Button, that you know, this just isn't that at all. This isn't uh, uh, in any way, shape, or form a popcorn movie. It 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 was his dad's idea to write to tell this story, and he had this sort of script, but 
it's hard to explain. You can't make a movie like this in black and white with all the period trappings, with what must have been really complex setups, camera setups for every scene. Like from a filmmaking, the craft of filmmaking standpoint, it's off. It's the best movie on this list by a mile. Sure. I could, uh, yeah. But it, it just, it, it is like Nomadland or it's like Minari, which we're about to talk about. It really is just, let's just follow this guy around and stuff will happen. And, and, and it, but, and yet, unlike Minari or unlike Nomadland, it's not an inviting movie. It, 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 it nothing about it invites you in. Right. It's, I mean, cause Man- Mankiewicz is a guy who it's like everybody acknowledges his genius, but nobody really likes him. Right. And so therefore you're following around this guy that no one really likes and his behavior justifies it in a lot of ways. And so you're like, but he's but not right. some is, cinematic monster either where no, you're... he's not. No, he's just, a, he's just a, he's just a, you know, he has, he, like it says, he's a social critic. He has his, <laughs> he has his point of view. And if, and if you do not fall or if the thing, whatever it is, does not fall into that point of view that he has, it is to be derided and it is to be, you know, it, it's to be criticized and, um, and you know, I, and and he's he's just a, a uh, he's a singular person. Um, uh, but I heard but, Fincher say in an interview, and this was telling to me. Maybe it'll be telling to you guys, or maybe it'll just mm-hmm. sound artsy fartsy. Maybe a little bit of both. But he he basically said he said he didn't want he didn't want to tell the story of the fight of Mankiewicz's to get his name put back on a script that he originally denied credit for. He right. thought that the fight was the the not interesting. What he wanted to show was how somebody got from not wanting to be involved with something to wanting to put their stamp on it. And that's what the movie trying to tries to show you. But that's a yeah. That's a that's an unconventional thing and and the movie doesn't even have the focus of sticking with that throughout the movie right. it's definitely right. in there but it's all over the place right and it you know it, it sort of does i mean it does sort of the the structure of the film and some some of the elements of it do very much harken back to citizen kane it's you know it's kind of it's kind of told in in split uh you know in, in different you know lots of flashbacks lots of different th- and also lots of you know, um, not not different points of view necessarily. Uh, of you know, not someone else. A little bit, you get a little view. bit yeah, a little different bit points of, of view, but mostly you're sticking with him. Once he shows up in the movie, yeah. you're kind of sticking with him till the end, yeah. more or less. So, um, yeah, but there, you know, so there is a there is that sort of playing with time, playing with other people's perspectives that you get uh, that that Citizen Kane had, but you're right. Yeah. Kind of going back to what you said before, knowing, knowing or having, having seen dramatizations of uh, the behind the scenes of Citizen Kane being a student of film and studying Citizen Kane, you are able to track this movie a lot easier than, um, than if you don't sort of have a, 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 at least a decent, um, you know, working knowledge of what that whole movie, you know, everything that surrounded Citizen Kane, because Mank is very much, yeah, and, and you know, and I guess you know, we don't for people who uh, 
people who criticize Hollywood for saying, well, they just spoon feed you everything. You know, right. the, the, well, you ain't going to get this from, you ain't going to get that from this movie. You're absolutely no. right, Ryan. Uh, it, you know, this movie is like, you better, you know, just buckle up. And, and if you have, if you have questions, save it for the end, because we ain't stopping this train. Yeah. And I and, think that's actually really good advice. If the, you, you shouldn't feel lost. It's not a puzzle for you to figure out. It really is simpler than it feels. It's much simpler than it feels. It just is what, mm-hmm. Without breaking out the worst of all critical cliches, but it is it is what's there for you. It's what's on the. It's what's right. If you want to enjoy it, just kick back and let it wash over you. And 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 I mean, I really think that's the thing because it never kicks into gear. A central the conflict's all internal. It it never kicks in. Mm -hmm. There just isn't anything to glom onto that you would expect. Uh, from even a period film like this, and frankly, the the history is even it's in there, but it's it's not communicated to you in any way that it cares if you're really following what it is. It's there yeah. to sort of color the experience. It's not an absurd movie, but it has an ab- absurdist approach to storytelling like that, and and the only way to get something out of that is to relax and just see see what see what comes from it. And that's not, that's the furthest thing from what movies are today. Movies are, movies aren't even, they don't even, they're not even formally, it's not even the formal build that's important today. It's the, you yeah. need to be outside that somehow and commenting upon it for your film to really work nowadays. That's really what ticket buyers are into. That's what they want from their TV shows. This film mm-hmm. had the opportunity to do that, but it, every chance it has to do it, it just completely excuse that. Yep. And but it's I there's mean, it's, there's no moment in Mank where someone stops and goes, hold on, hold on a second here. You're telling me that, and then just give it all where you know lay it right. all out there yeah, for you. So exactly. You know. There's no part you, where this, a character and, explains to you why Princess Leia is going <laughs> off on her own to die. <laughs> yep. yep. It, it is the least explaining movie in the world. To a, to a <laughs> we both agree yeah, to, to, a, to fault. a fault. Yeah. It, yeah. A little more generosity of hey audience, yeah. Let me catch you up just a little bit. Like would have been, I would have been grateful for. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I can't deny the power of the artistry of it. It really is. It's a brave movie. I mean, who would make a film like this? You know, it, yeah. It, Fincher's earned his right to make one of these because he's, yep. even though he's not, he's not making the big blockbusters of our time. He's perpetually given you social network and all these films that are very, very palatable and easy to watch, even though they're very high minded from an artistic standpoint, this really is just, man, it's art for art's sake, which is a lot about what make was about at his point. Yeah. At his purest, you know, he was a very compromised guy as you'll see from watching it, but that that's neat. And, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it's hard to, I mean, it's, it's just not, yeah. it's not for everybody. And and I don't, and I apologize if you did already bring him up. I didn't catch it, but we should make sure we mention Gary Oldman as uh, Mankiewicz. Is, well, and uh, an, ar- an, uh, an absolute army of Hollywood actors yeah. in these interesting little roles. You know, Amanda Seyfried got an Oscar mm-hmm. nomination out of Mank. And that, yep. at, you know, I'd have to look at the list. I'm not a huge Amanda Seyfried fan, but. 
It, she's really good yeah. at it. Like it, it, it really provides opportunities for some really interesting stuff for people to really, for some really talented folks to sink their teeth into. That's in it, but yeah. it, it just isn't. It's just not a conventional narrative in any way. It's almost a belligerently unconventional narrative. Whereas yeah. at least Nomadland, you're this woman, you really get where she's coming from. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, you get mm-hmm. what she's going through. I think Mank, you don't even really know. Right. Maybe I maybe I'm wrong about that, but I felt like I not didn't really get to know him. So as a biopic, it's a terrible film. But <laughs> yeah. but as a weird magical right, yeah. window into a world that's different than ours, so where people move differently, talk differently, dress yeah. differently. Like it really is kind of magical in that way, but you gotta yeah, you know, I think that little description actually did did uh did you know kind of, it is more of a uh, 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 something it's sort of more of a a, night, uh, a whole uh, look at 1930s Hollywood as opposed to you know it just looks at it through the eyes of this very um, but even then you don't feel like you're, you're you're looking at 1930s Hollywood through the lens of somebody telling you a story yeah. in, a, in sort of a 1930s Hollywood way but mm-hmm. but a story that in 1930s Hollywood would never tell so it's right. weird. It's complicated. If you look at yeah. the art of it, you can go on and on and on. It's this yeah. weird, layered, amazing thing. But when you look at it from a story, when a lot that that's uh, uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm no different. That's what we mostly sit down to talk about, right? You were talking about the TV show you liked. Tell mm-hmm. you know, hello television. Tell me a story, right? Yeah. This kind of doesn't do that. <laughs> It does, right. but it doesn't. It, it, yeah, no, you're right. It's just like, hey, let me look in on someone I've never, you know, this, let me look on in this historical Hollywood figure's life for a while. Thank you. We'll see if we learn watching. anything about him. Yeah. No? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. All right. <laughs> moving on. Let me, uh, mm-hmm. um, all right. So let's, uh, speaking of moving on, let's move on to Minari. Um, the uh, An even harder um, movie to talk about in a lot of ways. Yeah. Read the description because Minari's great. It's it's right in line with the rest of these, actually. Right. Uh, it's starring Stephen Yoon from uh, The Walking Dead. Uh, super awesome actor. Let me just come on internet. Let's get this going. Um, <laughs> well, literally, uh, the tagline for IMDb says, a Korean family starts a farm in 1980s Arkansas. There That's you go. the dream. Let's get this farm working. A Korean family, like a first generation Korean family, even though it's yeah, in the eighties, yeah. um, moves from California, which is which is relatively Korean friendly compared to Arkansas. Yep. They certainly have their struggles as a as a first language Korean speaking family, but. He's got this dream that he wants to make this farm work and the land in Arkansas he can afford. And so they, the whole family is uprooted and sent into this really different culture. And of course, eventually, that one of the glorious things about the film is they eventually stumble into um, the Korean culture that is in Arkansas because it is there, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. m- mostly through the church. But it's the same kind of movie. It's 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 the same kind of movie as Nomadland, very much so. Although the it's it the kids, um, the wife, the main character, I guess you would say, played by Stephen Yeun. But it's much more of an ensemble thing. You you experience these broad changes in their lives and the challenges that they go through from 
not from one singular outsider's perspective, but from this, from mm-hmm. all the different members of the family. And they're not all on the same page with the mission statement of their family at this time anyway, although they've all made the decision to do it and they're all, they're all kind of invested in making it happen. But it's a fascinating film. It's mostly in Korean, not entirely. Yeah. It's it's technically an English English language film because most of the characters in it speak English. But the our main characters, when they're talking to each other in a rather uncompromising way, because they both can speak English, don't and and mm-hmm. wouldn't have. So it 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 maintains a lot of really cool authenticity that way. But it's just a heads up. Some of you guys don't like quote foreign movies. This isn't foreign. It's not an international feature. It's not even the the proper politically correct way to say what it is. It's not that. It's an American movie about Americans, truly. But a lot right. of it is in Korean, so just heads up. But that again, that that for at least my sake, that pulled me in. That pulled my focus in. The same way the loose grip on reality of the father pulled my focus in. The my having to read along with a good chunk of this film kept me in it in a really neat way so it's all Mm -hmm. so the mechanics of it work great even the story does but again it's a weird it's a different kind of story it's just a different kind of story even as we've had those in our past too even the let's start a farm stories (laughs) go yeah or you know what i mean like that even that it's just a totally different kind of thing it's such a different mix such a very specific mix of stuff um i was tremendously moved by parts of it but it's not a it is neither a feel-good film nor a conventional tragedy or any of that stuff. It really, it really is going for authenticity in the same way as Nomadland. And like I said, Mank. I, I include Mank in with these two films, even though it's so much more ornate and whatever. It's the same thing. It's this. It's meant to be this. This is kind of this is what happened, and you can make sense of it however you will. They all have yeah. that same kind of weird approach to storytelling which can be a little off-putting. That's why it gets its sort of art house moniker. That and it, a really low budget. But some really lovely... You learn about farming. Um, my buddy Will Patton plays this uh, recovering alcoholic guy who's just looking mm-hmm. for work, you know, like right out of Grapes of Wrath, basically. But this this Patton with his baseball hat and all his... his like he's the Arkansas farmer that we're expecting to see in the movie, right? Yeah. And so yeah. It, it, and yet he's this very real, believable, singular person too. It's not a cliche that he's playing. It's lovely. It's that kind of thing. That's the strength of the film. Eunice, fantastic. And really, the whole family, all those characters, they're a quote adopted grandma. They find an old Korean lady willing to babysit for them, <laughs> and. It's weird, man. It's just kind of weird. She's weird, and the kids are not adults. They're in weird kid land, and the chemistry between all of them is really unique and odd. But it's just... It's the furthest thing from something like The Blind Side or something where the, the <laughs> where the story yeah. just, you know, hits you at all the right moments. Like, it's just, it's just this thing that's kind of laid back and it lets it all happen and you're, yep. you go along for the ride and that can be a test to your empathy because you're not getting your buttons pushed. That's where the yep. father, even though that's a slice of life too, that movie pushes your buttons because it, it just jerks you around and yeah. you, you know, these, mm-hmm. the rest of these are all, 
they're all just really unique. I don't know. And I think that was part of, I think Minari was never expected to make more than 10 million bucks at the box office. Oh, I'm sure. So, yeah. okay, now it makes two, but you know, people stream it or go buy the, the DVD or whatever. Great. I mean, like the, these sort of represent, they're all sort of equally unconventional because they weren't for conventional audiences in the first place. They were the films in 2020 that Hollywood said, all right, let's get these out there. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of neat, but I don't know. You didn't see Minari. It's an interesting I movie. Didn't, I didn't get it. Yeah. It's, um, it's really interesting, but it's very, it's very much like these others we talked about. So you keep hearing me hedge my bets, but I just want you to understand what you're getting into when you go watch it. I like, <laughs> yeah. I liked them all. You know, I really did. I liked all of these so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let, next up, let's talk about promising young woman. Woo. Yep. With, uh, I love Carrie Mulligan. I've loved her ever since, uh, she was on an episode of Dr. Who. Um, yeah, the best ever episode of the modern Dr. Who. Yeah, absolutely. It's the best Um, episode. In which Um, she's the main character the doc ain't even the main character. Yep. If I'm remembering it right. Um, it, 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 for, okay. Yeah. Carrie Mulligan, we could just talk about her. Carrie Mulligan, it's aces. I mean, she's so good. I've been saying that as long as the show has been on. Anytime we stumble across one of her movies, I just blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, this is different. This, this is not an English woman. She's an American. She's, uh, she's a tortured sort of troubled and a kind of aggressive. And yet, yet in her for her life ambitions are very lackadaisical she lives at home she works at a coffee shop she's not going anywhere and yet she's got this sort of covert revenge mission that she's working on the side would take a very driven and ambitious personality to pull off go ahead and read the the description yeah uh, a young woman traumatized by a tragic event in her past seeks out vengeance against those who crossed her path um I think I'll, I think I'll expand on the premise a little bit. Normally I try because that premise is really lovely. It, it, it keeps all the details hidden and yet it gives you a sense of what the thing is. First of mm. all, this thing is a big, buoyant, bouncy, like lively movie. <clears throat> Even though the subject matter is dark, it's black as death, truly. it The film itself has got music. It's got montages in it. It's got, it's just, it just, it's got tons of energy and clips along in a kind of an, in an amazing way. So that it's got that going for it. It also is very sort of a plot heavy film, but it's a, it's a movie that's seen all the revenge movies and, and isn't, doesn't, it doesn't play fair with the format in a way that's mm-hmm. just delightful. That just, just repeatedly slaps you in the face. Um, Carrie plays a, a character whose best friend, best childhood friend, they went to college together, uh, got drunk one night and was gang banged by a bunch of people and it was videotaped and then passed around campus. Yeah. And it destroyed her, her, it, I don't know about her life because the part of the point of the thing was that life went on after this, but it, she says in it, she was never, you know, she was always there my whole life, this person. And after that incident, she was never there. She was there, but she was never there. Her whatever, her essence of herself was taken from her. She takes her own life. This all happens in the past. You do learn about it a little slowly at the beginning of the movie, but 
let's just get that out there so that we can t I won't ruin any of the twist. I promise I left several of them on the table. Um, yeah. but I, I just think it's important to say that's the, what we're talking about. Ultimately the film it, it is, is, a, a truly just like she is in the movie. It's a woven sheep's clothing of a film. I was just flabbergasted by it. I was just, I was just blown away yeah. by, uh, by this film. I don't know what to say. I could, again, I couldn't pick it as my favorite cause it does some things that I think, um, well that are, were deal breakers for me in terms of me saying it was the best movie of the year, but it, it was along with the father to some degree, the one that just, I just riveted and stunned by it. And it's a film where, and I think modern audiences will take to it in this way because it's a film whose, and this is something I struggle with as a film viewer, it's tonal shifts are really dramatic um a shout out to all the bit players in it um i'm not going to remember all of them but uh the guy who plays her the guy who's sort of courting her in the present day uh is really great in it uh allison Bree's really good in a brief role and more than anything in it un i believe it's uncredited alfred molina shows up halfway through this film mm. in a stunning scene that just is it just it's just that it that that is the soul of the film in a lot of ways. Uh, Carrie and Alfred played mother and daughter very memorably in a film called An Education, and yeah, it, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's the guy who shows up in this to do this really really complicated role. A lot of this, the danger that her character puts herself in, uh, the way. Um, it's just, it's so good. Promising young woman. I can't say enough about it. It yeah. is sort of what it's selling. It's this, it's this dark comedic, um, revenge thriller, but it, it's, it, it's so much more than that. And right. when you see it, you know, look me up and we'll talk about the kind of last half of it. <laughs> I want to talk yeah. about that. You know, I want to talk about yeah. it on the show, but I'm not at this point, maybe in the future, but at this point, I'm not prepared to ruin it for you. If you haven't seen it, go uh, it, it, it's a tough experience, but that's good. Movies should be that sometimes. And this movie manages to be that while also, frankly, being just very conventionally entertaining. And that's a really a kind of amazing mix. The The writer-director of it, it's, I read a bunch about her after I watched this. It, she had these ideas and she turned mm -hmm. it into this thing. But she, at every turn, refuses to just let it be man on fire or you can go through all yeah. the re revenge films you know what i mean death yep. wish it she she it is that and yet it 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 is never allowed to be that because life you know life and random things stuff intervenes and the film plays that really miraculously so yep. like carrie mulligan emerald stunningly yeah, emerald, good in it and emerald fennel is the uh the woman who directed it and wrote it so good. I just so strong. And uh, I'll say one other thing about it, although I don't want to pile on this poor critic because he was, I get what he was saying, but he, uh, <laughs> he, he, he said that, um, you know, it's Carrie's great and everything, but you know, it's, it, it, the film was executive produced by Margot Robbie. And he goes, it really feels like that. It'd be more a movie for her. And mm. Mulligan and I think the people took yeah. that to mean that I mean, she actually came out and said that she goes it 
felt like he was saying I wasn't hot enough to be in this movie. And it does feel yeah. like that. Now, this is this is a I think it's a San Francisco critic. I'm pretty sure he's homosexual. You know, I don't think he's comparing starlets hotness to each other. That wasn't his intention behind that. But it did come off as it's it's the you know, the hot chick. She's a good actor, too. <laughs> she should have been in this. And oh, look, there's yeah. her name. Well, she maybe at some point she was attached to it. Like, I, I thought the same thing. The difference is it is I. I never would have yeah. thought to make that the story of the, you know, the review. The, right. That critic, as he was, as they were coming for his head, lighten up America. Because <laughs> they were, as you can imagine, Twitter was coming at this guy, trying to get him fired, the whole ball of wax over just this one rather innocent statement that he made. And he, part of how he saved himself <laughs> was he showed that he prevented the letter that the studio sent him asking to use his quotes for their advertising because he gave the movie mm-hmm. a really positive review. And, and that reminded people that he liked the film and was sort of on the side of the main character. The, the and, and, and ironically the film, one of the guys, these callous group of guys that she encounters, not all of them, but many of them, they all have the same kind of, well, you're not even that hot anyway. They all say that in the movie. And of course, Carrie's gorgeous, and she's a she's a movie actor. You know, there, there's it's an unglamorous film, but uh, to me, it's just funny that w- once you start engaging on that purely superficial level, I mean, it's like all you have to talk about all of a sudden. Right. So that's the lesson, and don't don't go there unless you really have unless the film itself has something to say about it. Right. The film doesn't. You know, it's. It was a, but it was part of the story of the movie. So it's there. My, it's my two cents on it. Sure, sure. Uh, all right. Next up is the sound of metal. With, yeah. Uh, di- yeah. With uh, Riz Ahmed, um, directed and written by Darius Martyr. Um, and uh, but yeah, uh, Riz, Ahmed Riz was fun. nominated for best actor for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe this got a supporting actor nomination as well it's about a, yeah, a heavy metal picture supporting editing screenplay yeah heavy metal drummer who starts to lose his hearing yeah kind of overnight he just it's poof it's not really there yeah. and his his for, well, he's got two things he's got to accomplish his quest is to get enough money for this implant so that he can get back on the road keep playing the drums um, the film, the world of the film, I should say, not the film itself, but the world of the film doesn't play fair with this character very much. When you, he's a musician who loves being a musician, loves being in this band like that, to have that taken from you, you know what I mean? I had a friend, a good friend of mine that I was, I wasn't in a, in a band, I wasn't quite good enough to be in a band with this guy, but, um, but I played with him on a few different projects, we'll say, when I was in high school. But he was one of the best guitar players I'd ever been around, and he got really bad arthritis in his left hand. Mm. Um, and it, it, I just can't tell you, it's a profound thing with this thing that you love, your passion, your your thing that you connect with, whether it's a sport or it's, uh, you know, whatever it is, a kind of like a study that you're doing or whether it's the arts, 
like it is for us, when that's taken from you in a practical way, when you can, when you've been doing this thing all this time and you can suddenly no longer do it, it, it's just is, it's a, it's a loss as profound as any that you will ever encounter in life. He ends up in this place where they're going to basically teach him how to be a deaf person. That's part of what they do. They acclimate people to life. Yeah. And, and that flies. It's that he has to do that. I mean, as a person, he has to go through that and he learns a lot in that experience, but he's always sort of yearning. There are tools out there that allow him to hear that he might be eligible for. And he's, it's is his, his goals are both, and then and neither sometimes and it's kind of an amazing movie that way it is it's another what i would call another slice of life movie in that it really is sort of an episodic group of events that get us to a certain point in that way it feels like minari and it feels like nomad land but this film mm -hmm. this film's got a it's a little different it's making a point the and the the ideas that are being explored by it are given voice by characters in the movie. And that's a different, that's a more conventional thing. That's a little easier to watch. And I think get through and it's, yep. I love this. I love the sound of metal. I love Riz's uh, performance in it. Um, I love the, the guy who had never seen before the guy who runs the, um, the camp for the hearing impaired guy. Uh, what's his name? Do you have him handy? He was oh, nominated sorry. for Best um, Supporting Actor, too. I was looking up uh, some Riz Ahmed stuff because, uh, yeah, I did Riz Ahmed. Uh, Riz Ahmed, oh. um, probably uh, best known from Rogue One, uh, but he's been in a ton of stuff. He's just really great. Um, um, da, 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 you're looking for the Yeah, and, and, and has been in a handful now, uh, you know, le as a leading man, which is mm -hmm. great because he was this – you know, he's been yeah. the sidekick character and stuff. Yeah, the sidekick or, frankly, the terrorist. Right, um, right. Yeah, you know. So it's fun to see him bring all the tools that he has to, to, the, to the main character of the thing in the last few movies yeah. I've seen of him. That's an yeah. evolution both of Hollywood itself and, and of his career that's really exciting to see. Although I'm happy to see him go back to playing crazy supporting yeah. characters too because he's really he's really dominant at that so but he's uh, outstanding sorry, in this. it was next to hopkins it was my second favorite performance of the year from a man anyway mm -hmm. i really thought uh, it was amazing uh you're looking for uh are you looking for paul as paul racy as uh joe yeah. the, the the deaf yeah. yeah yeah so paul racy plays uh joe the Yep, and our buddy at matthew almirak shows up in it as well the french actor and and who's the woman in it she's great in it uh olivia cook yeah, his yeah. Olivia, i yeah. love olivia cook i think she's so cool she's yeah, she's she, it's a hard role it's a whole thing is a hard thing that happens to these people and it it and it's it's tough because he he it's just tough it, because it it changes so hard and this is the most profound kind of change and to watch mm -hmm. people struggle with it i really was drawn in and really tremendously moved by it you know it it and i really understood what everyone was going through and and uh, you know that's that's great storytelling so i really quite i loved sound of metal it's awesome cool yeah. that also is on amazon i believe
Uh, yes, in fact, it, it was an Amazon. Uh, it's an Amazon film. Like they made it was made for Amazon. Um, all right. Next up is the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Woo! Aaron Sorkin directed. Aaron Sorkin written. Aaron Sorkin made sure you said all the words correctly. <laughs> um, and and just a, a, a you know let's just a just a crazy uh, who's who of, uh, of of actors, uh, especially male actors. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. Because it's Hollywood, um, yeah. it, it's fantastic movie. And I not in this movie and uh, the next one we're going to talk about were a real tonic to all this unconventional storytelling that we're coping with during this award season. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I so I don't. I, this was a this was a juggling act of a film. I mean, it's it, like Joel says, it's got a cast of thousands. It's got uh, this more or less this singular setting, this courtroom where this circus of a trial is happening. Right. Um, it has like all Aaron Sorkin films, maybe not all, but the, the ones we're seeing these days, especially the ones where it's directorial hand is in control and definitely in his TV shows. Yeah. They're all Aaron Sorkin. You know what I mean? It, every character is speaking with his voice that can get exhausting because he he can be an exhausting guy to listen to, frankly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And more than that, they these characters all represent their points of view more than they are meant to be living, breathing people on the screen. They all are coming at this from different places. This incident that happened. I'll let Joel read the synopsis that'll help a little bit. But it's a but in the end, it's this big courtroom trial with these maneuvers and surprises and next time, tell me everything. And it's got yeah. the lawyers, you know, on both sides. And I mean, it's, it, it's d- delightfully conventional in that way because, because the dialogue and the points of view are so kind of radically unconventional that it really gives you a, a format to come home to that I found super welcoming. It's a, also yeah. very funny as you'd expect from, Aaron, um, it's really, really well performed. Um, Mark Rylance, who plays the judge, is it? Uh, uh, Frank Langella. Mm, yeah, um, Frank Langella. I mean, the, the Joel will read you the whole list. I'm not going to try and just say from memory because there's a jillion people, all of whom are awesome. Eddie Redmayne's in it. Um, uh, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen, it's fantastic in it. So it it. It it's delightful in that way. I really really loved it, yeah. but it's it is sort of a throwback to a different style of thing. He yeah. was working on it at the same time he was adapting um, To Kill a Mockingbird for to Broadway, Mockingbird. and and yep. it it it's not To Kill a Mockingbird by any means, but it because it's so zany and over the top and its energy, but it 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 still has that you know the old. The old courtroom drama, man. You know, yeah. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, the, it's the it is the story of uh, seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Um, and it and it yeah, it's um, here's here's the cast. Uh, I mean <laughs> that. I mean it's it really is sort of uh, bonkers a little bit here. Hold on, um, I'm trying to find an easier place to read it. Uh, yeah, Eddie Redmayne, <clears throat> Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen, Alex Sharp, Jeremy Strong, John Carroll Lynch, my good friend John Carroll Lynch. Uh, well, not good friend, 
but my friend, uh, Noah Robbins, uh, Daniel Flaherty, uh, Yahoo, Yah, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, uh, Mark Rylance, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Ben Schenkman, JC McKenzie, Frank Langella, Calvin Harrison Jr., Michael Keaton, John Dorman, uh, <laughs> Doman, uh, um, Wayne, Wayne Duvall, Caitlin Fitzgerald, uh, Damien Young. Yeah, we, then we're getting a little bit down in there, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, once you uh, hit Wayne Duvall, turn it off, folks. Once, yeah, no offense, yeah, Wayne. Yeah. Everybody knows who you are, mate, but nobody knows your name. That's that's right. the life of a great character actor. Um, it, it it's go ahead, Joel. You saw this one at least, right? Yep. Yeah, that's um, good. I mean, I mean, I dig it. I'm, I, you know, as a as a as an actor, uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin's words are, you know, are are music, and and he he per, you know, it's everything is is so very deliberate. Um, and so that's always exciting to see a story told um, in that manner. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it, but it, it is standoffish has, in the way that everybody can't everybody be disarticulate. Does, like it, it, yep. it, 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 it skews. Even though the film, there's nothing about it that is unrealistic. It's just more mm -hmm. that when when you have a writer that has their own unique voice and they right. in an uncompromising way. Um, I can't remember her name, Palladino, who writes the Magnificent Mrs. Maisie and Gilmore Girls. Yeah. She's the same. She creates a world of characters that all kind of talk like her. So it's not just Aaron. There there are writers out there where that's how they work. And I really think it Gilmore Girls is magical, you know what I mean? Yeah. The the West Wing, like you just want to believe they're all that smart and witty and competent. <laughs> it's right. it's a but it's a fantasy in a way, and this film's no different. But it's um, still you learn a lot about the event itself and and yeah and, and you know yeah and it is and it's you know it 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 you know at a time you know it, it's it's very much talking to you know elements of the political climate that we're that we're living in now uh, and you know um, you know and, and but in 1968 it was you know it was this you know rise of the counterculture uh, you, you know the thing is is that, you know you have someone like Abby Hoffman who you know is a, a, a you know a really strong historical figure mm -hmm. um, and and to me this is this to me I, I is a criticism i have of it it's like well you have abby hoffman abby hoffman has a voice has a style of speaking <laughs> right. and it isn't aaron it isn't aaron sorkin's yet right. aaron sorkin is just like no no you're going to talk like i want you to talk we're going to bring aaron's yeah. point of view in here and it's going to be yeah. heard but it's going to be heard through my voice and yeah. hello actor you just have to do your best with that and of course Yep. He does, and it is kind of cinematic m magic. Yep. But what Joel is saying is right. I, I, we got another Sorkin movie we'll be talking about coming up in the next few weeks, and uh, all the same delights and all the same issues, you know. And mm -hmm. and in a way, the issues we just have to. It, there's no point in dwelling on them because that's yeah. just, this is how it's going to be. But but it it is it is worthy to point out that it does make it yeah Abby Hoffman's a perfect yeah. example but there yeah. are plenty other people in this film too that yeah. and you know and it, and you know and it is it's there are elements you know like this is this is a drama but you know like any you know Sorkin is is very much a believer in you know the best dramas are often really really funny mm -hmm. and you know because that 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 offsets that heightens when when things you know yeah. that it's that a very direct delivery of a very absurd situation as opposed to yeah. an absurd delivery of a direct or you know 
vivid yeah. situation, like like something yeah. like Mank. This is yeah, like direct, or, uh, and yeah, it's that, it's um, a breath of fresh air in that way. I thought, you know, yeah. Uh, I was gonna, I was trying to think of that Dick Cheney movie. Um, that, Vice, yeah, d- Vice, yeah. So Vice is is a little bit, you know, it kind of is a little bit zany, uh, you know, or a, you know, an odd telling of a, a really serious situation. This is a serious, serious situation, you know, serious telling of a absurd. I guess absurd is the better word. You're, well, you're right, absurd, yeah. I mean, because it's just a serious stuff that happened. This riot yeah. and stuff. People were hurt <clears> and everything. But it, 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 it's. But the, the trial, the the trial, the trial like, was know, a circus, and that is yeah. that you get to experience that, and that mm-hmm. is inherently fun, and it's a fun yeah. movie in that way. Yeah. And when it comes time for the speech that means everything, or when it comes time for the truth to be revealed physically, the movie sort of nails both those bits. So, uh, so I enjoy it very much for that reason. But yeah. it, 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 it's not breaking any molds at all. In fact, it's rather delightfully celebrating an old mold that I wish there were more of. So I was down with it. Sure. Yep. Um, and the uh, the final movie uh, of these uh, Academy Award uh, is uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, the story of uh, biopic. Yeah, this is this is full on biopic. Full um, on, man. And uh, I got. I mean, I got to say, I was very excited to to see this film. Um, yeah. It just looked really interesting, and and frankly, it was you know it was one of the you know, it was one of those first movies that, you know, as part of the, uh, the HBO max sort of Warner brothers thing where they were going to give you exclusive. Yeah. Day and date streaming and you don't have to wait. And this came out right at the beginning of 2001. And, um, yeah. And it was, uh, I believe it was uh, the second, I think the first one was the little things and this was the second movie that came out. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I was very excited to see it and, um, and it was yeah it's a great it's a great film uh you know and you know it's it's someone who you know it, well uh, the, read, yeah, read plea, the premise <clears throat> offered a plea deal by the fbi william o'neill infiltrates the illinois chapter of the black panther party to gather intelligence on chairman fred hampton um and as somebody you know a, a, a white guy growing up in the midwest i didn't know who you know i didn't know the the story of fred hampton so it was you know i you know i know just a little about the Black Panther Party, but this was, you know, it was fascinating. It was a, a fascinating story, really, really well, uh, really well performed by uh, the our two our two main people, uh, Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield. Um, wow, out, just outstanding. Yeah. Um, yeah, great. You know, great. Yeah, great performances. Jesse Plemons in there. Uh, Who's the young just, woman in it? She's amazing as well. Uh, is that I think that's Dominique uh, Dominique Fishback. Uh, so good, yeah, uh, yeah, Don, yeah. It 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 uh, it is a. Uh, I can't remember what the filmmaker said. I read a little thing. He had a similar thing to Fincher's, where he sort of explained what it was that he that he was going to tell a conventional crime drama, basically, which is what it is. Yeah. It's told yeah. in that format. So that you've got something to latch onto, but he said in the in the in the the uh, performing of that style of movie, I'm going to teach everybody what this. I'm going to show everybody what this guy was, and yeah. 
what he really was, and and you really do feel like you get to know not just um, not just the, the head of the Black Panthers at the time, but that but everybody really. Um, it, and it's and and it's this thing that takes place kind of what is it the late sixties, early seventies, late sixties yeah. mostly, but it. Yeah, kind of, I mean sixty-eight. Yeah, it's all yeah, it was moves all part through of, time. You know, that craziness of sixty-eight. Yeah, when we're talking about the sixties, we're pretty much talking about sixty-eight because the yeah. first half of the sixties were just the fifties again. Um, but it, 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 and it is made like a film like that. Like the style mm-hmm. of the movie reminded me of Mean Streets or, you know, the old seventies crime dramas, basically. Yeah. It, and I loved that about it. And I learned, like I said, I kind of knew who he was, but, but I, I know what the Black Panthers were based on the headlines and the propaganda that came out against them. And even though yeah. I think in the back of our minds, you, you learn throughout time. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't quite like that. A lot of that was kind of made up or whatever. I think this yeah. film really shows you what was like that. What wasn't, you know, the the whole thing. Clue is just well, a, yeah, just uh, well, incredible I mean, in it. Yeah, he's he's so good. I mean, you know, and you're talking about that. You know, there it even kind of explicitly says that through Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover. You know, in part when they do these little kind of cutaways to this this kind of smoky dark room where <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover is explaining the strategy how they're going to get the Black Panthers. That's what they're you know they're like. They're, he's talking about we're going to do a media camp. It's a whole media thing. We got to make sure that the people believe the them to be uh you know to be villains uh you know and and that that is how we will win that is how we will take them down not just by eliminating the people involved in it right. but by but by you know essentially destroying the organization publicly you know uh, uh so and and a lots of elaborate ways that the government agents and the local pol- in tandem with local police entrapped these people into little crimes that then they then got the book mm-hmm. thrown at them for like it was the whole thing was a cynical awful thing if you look at it from the fbi standpoint yeah but Plemons brings a lot of humanity to it and stanfield's got the harder role in some yeah. ways it's hard to explain it he's the guy that we really get to know and yeah, he was I mean, a it, he was a really complicated person in real life and yeah. and i you know, again, that's all very conventional in that, well, here's the guy who's getting wrapped up in this. He's got a foot in both sides of this conflict. You know what I mean? It. He's got relationships within and without. He, you know, he was an undercover agent to some degree, but he wasn't really formally. And he yeah, really was truly an operating Black Panther while he was a member of the party. And he really yeah. did buy into a lot of what they were into. But there was always this duality to him and it's a tough thing to pull off on screen i think he does a really really good job yeah 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 and you know he he has to do enough to earn the trust of uh you know of hampton um and uh it's his character i should say you know his character has to earn all this trust from hampton and uh to be to, to be able to get the information that he's supposed to get uh and it yeah i mean it is it's not like it's not donnie and, brasco and the breaking he's, point you know, between them from, I won't say what it is, but the breaking point between the two characters is ultimately is uh, about the future of the Black Panthers. It has nothing to do with any sort of undercover case. Yeah. It's about a differing philosophy between the two men. 
and how that draws them apart and sort of sends him back to his into informer mode and the mm-hmm. whole thing has this sort of tragic sense to it because of that the yeah very much a, so there's a shootout in it that's horrifying there's this it's so real and immediate and the characters are so vivid and brought mm-hmm. to life it's total standard biopic stuff but he really did he the filmmaking and the writing really got the philosophy in there and that's the thing that makes it so wonderful to me anyway i yeah. i love that movie yeah. yeah me too uh and that movie was uh my choice for best picture of uh 2020 um and uh it's a good yeah, one it, it does uh, everything it sets out to do and, yeah yeah and, and, and yeah and, and really really cool and really yep. so you know I, i've already spoiled too much of it i guess i didn't really say i didn't put any of the things i was saying in context but it's just really really good it's lots of you have a sense of where only place a story like this can go and unlike promising young woman where you think you know where that's going and it goes all over the place this this goes right where you think it's gonna and yet you just get so wrapped up in it you know what i mean mm-hmm. you, but it un, so unlike mank it's all of us we're in this thing together right from the get-go and all the way to the end it's inviting it's an inviting yeah. movie uh, yeah chicago seven is two but but it's but not everybody got the invitation to that one. This one I really <laughs> right. think that you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like only no, Aaron yeah. Sorkin's friends get to come along for this one. Whereas <laughs> whereas this one was like we all we all came together to experience this stuff. I I, I that aspect of it it makes it unique on this list. Even yeah. though it's kind of the most conventional movie. I said biopic. It really is a standard biopic. Yeah, but in a, in the greatest way. So yeah. It, it's it yeah it's um yeah i really yeah i dug the movie it 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 was and it certainly was good, one that for weeks weeks afterwards just stayed with me certain certain images from the film certain themes to, and, and moments from the film just absolutely just stayed with me and i was like yeah that, um, that it's a good pick just, yeah yep um all right now um my pick wasn't and, on this list although no like I, your pick was not. like i said the father and and the uh typically even a year later Part of why we do this is a year later is that I just I glom on to the thing that was the most emotional thing, Joel will tell you. And that's the thing. You know, to me that was the father and um uh, uh promising young woman. Those films emotionally just rake me over the coals in a great way. That's part mm-hmm. of what I want when I go to a movie. Um or not every movie, but I, you know, that's that's the thing that impresses me most about a movie when it really makes me feel something. Yeah. Um, so my choice is sort of unconventional, but it was hard. I was looking at the list of nominations, and when I first made the list for Joel, this movie didn't jump out at me, even though it was nominated for Best Original Screenplay and it was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. It was, you know, spread throughout the nominations, mm-hmm. like a lot of Te- technically, technically, weirdly adapted screenplay. Oh, really? Because mm-hmm. it was because it was a sequel. Because, uh, yeah, based uh, and and it's based on this pre-existing character that has oh of course um yeah, yeah that makes sense okay yep. so uh either way but uh but best, up yeah, for a best supporting award. actress best supporting actress was uh nominated a film a film that is largely improvised was nominated for a screenplay award and we'll talk about what Correct, is yeah. a screenplay and what isn't within it but i'll let joel read this it's awesome name it is ryan's pick 
for best picture of 2020 best picture of 2020 <laughs> academy awards is borat subsequent movie film delivery of prodigious bribe to american regime for make benefit once glorious nation of kazakhstan um and I hadn't thought about this movie. We didn't even talk about this movie last year, even though I really it was did. one of the yeah. rare streaming movies that I watched right away. Um, but what it is, okay, first of all, we'll talk a little bit about, and we'll talk about this a lot in future episodes here, in the next few episodes. Um, this was one of those movies, and normally I don't, I'm not a big fan of this, but I'm going to make an exception for this one because it does so many things so well. But I tend to not like movies that are designed to be talked about and eschew their story elements mm -hmm. to be that. And it's not that I don't like them. I, I guess I like them as much as anybody. But I, I, they, a movie like that can only go so far in my estimation. So me picking this as best movie of the year is saying a lot because that's it is truly what this is. But let's think about Borat. We all know we all know Borat. It's an incredible creation by Sasha Baron Cohen. If you want to watch, if you want to know if you're anything like me in terms of your humor, uh, search on YouTube. Search Borat and cheese. <laughs> Just watch that clip. It's a deleted yep. scene from the first Borat film. Um, if if you can't stop laughing at that, that that then then we're uh, we're we're copacetic because there's something about the humor of Borat that's genius. And there's something about Borat specifically. Sasha's other characters all have their strengths and weaknesses, kind of. But Borat, because he's an innocent, he is capable of getting away with so much, you know. What's his uh, German whatever disco character's name? I can't remember that guy. Uh, Bruno? Yeah, Bruno. You know, yeah, if you're going to send Bruno in a speedo like to a wrestling match in Alabama and you know you're you're lighting a keg of dynamite deliberately if you get what i'm saying sasha it's it's all guerrilla filmmaking and it's all uh what do you call it gotcha filmmaking basically mm -hmm. it's the premises that this guy goes around he gets all these interviews and he reveals things about society in our world or the world of Britain where the show started by being ridiculous or by being like Borat is incredibly racist, for example. Mm -hmm. But he's we know he's not racist like we know Sasha Baron Cohen's not an anti-Semite. We know he's anything but that. But it, but it, because <laughs> Because he's because he's Jewish in real life and because he's sort of an activist in real life, he's able to take this character and to lay that stuff out there and then to see kind of the, our – we're able to gauge not just our own reactions as an audience but these poor hapless victims of his interviews in the movie. You know, the first Borat movie had that incredible scene. And that movie, I'll just say right now, as a comedy, as a ambush – comedy film the first borat movie is funnier it's much funnier it's just sure, funnier yeah. because it's it, because the comedy is the focus of it what he's done from a there's a, that scene in borat i was just going to say i think the most powerful scene it is that scene where he gets picked up by those frat guys in that winnebago or whatever oh god yeah 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 and um. 
he's just a dork with them, but they do all the work for him. And they're such a bunch of dicks, and yet they're so human and they're such actual they are actual people but like they're not it's hard it's weird but it's hard to be contemptible of them in that moment there's all this humanity that's going on in that scene despite the fact that it's this gross out frat misogynist sort of awful conversation that's being played out and i really find that that's magical and it it really once he once he let that cat out of a bag and had a big hit hollywood movie you know, nobody is going to take an interview with Borat anymore. Right. Maybe you get somebody blinking, but mostly you're, you're a celebrity now. The character's famous. You, what, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to sneak up on folks the same way anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of what he did was he worked through his other characters. But very wisely, when it came time to do another movie, he worked himself back to Borat. And his secret weapon in this film is that Borat has uh, an illegitimate daughter that's been thrust back into his life. And it's her that is able to do the heavy lifting in this movie from an ambush standpoint. But because of who she is, it's a totally different... There's a similar scene. Like, there's a great scene where she's up in front of this, like, woman's club i can't remember what their exact name is but it's all these sweet old women of the south basically yeah and she's up there talking about what it's like to be a kazakhstanian you know underage prostitute or whatever and it's and they we i think as americans in this movie come off as bad as we come off sometimes what we're willing to roll with and be polite about we the cheese for example (laughs) you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. is also kind of remarkable and a bit of a feather in our cap because these ladies are squirming in intense discomfort and this actor is clever enough to push the envelope on that beyond really what is reasonable or even believable right and they're in here where we're from we call it minnesota nice it's got a sort of two pronged meaning, one of which is kind of dark, but one of which really is, you know, we're just going to roll with this and be polite about it and get out the door safely. And maybe we'll whisper about it when we're free, but in, in the heat of the moment, we're going to be super nice about it. And there's a lot of that in the movie too. And I don't, I don't, I haven't figured out what it is as terms of what it means. But it's shocking that the, because the movie's fake, it's a put on, it's a gag, really, we know that. And yet it's kind of amazing how the scripted bits of it, the relationship between this father and daughter and their finding each other, and the way they evolve, especially him, the way he mm-hmm. becomes a, 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 a better, more well-rounded person, a, a less innocent person. Nothing, sorry, nothing kills your innocence like having children (laughs) right and that sounds like a weird thing to say because children also bring a tremendous amount of wonder and innocence into your life obviously but when you suddenly are responsible for that little thing crawling around in the crib over there your your childlikeness has to take if maybe it doesn't kill it but it has to take a severe backseat to everything else in your life I'm still a big, dumb child at heart because I have never had a responsibility even remotely like that. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm a clever yeah. enough guy and I'm well read enough and I experience and I'm empathetic enough that I get it, but I you can't really get it until you it's you. And mm-hmm. this movie demonstrates that in a miraculous way. In a way that's really, really moving, not to mention the way it bumps through the topical things of our times and truly gives us event after event after event after event to really talk about and think about. And I don't know that it's the best movie of the year, but it it it's neat that it got these nominations, that it yeah. penetrated a very froofy, you know, uh, self-congratulatory thing as the Oscars. Because uh, the woman, what's her name? I, I kind of know it, but I don't want to say it wrong. You have it in no, front of I you just, there. I, well, I did just have it in front of me. Hold on here. Um, she, we should call her out by name. Uh, yes. Um, it is... Where are you? I just had you here. Uh, Maria Bakalova. Yeah, her and, uh, to a lesser degree, really, she's the, she really is the secret weapon of, of the film. So yeah. good. Such a yeah, good improvisational right. actor. So good at holding a, an actual emotional moment in and amongst just wackiness and absurdity. Um, it's so good at rolling with the punches. The scene she has with America's mayor is, has to be seen to be believed. It is yep. unbelievable. You wouldn't think he could do anything that would be more unbelievable than the other things we've heard him say and the things we've seen him do. This was kind of in the thick of all that when they yeah. made this, but it it just, I think it's an amazing movie. I really do think it's an amazing movie, and I think it means more than just what it is. And I think even if you just take it as a silly ambush, you know, uh, cultural comedy, it it works kind of like a charm that way as well. So. That, I'm just giving my mm-hmm. tip of the hat to that. Academy probably yeah, got well, right. you were, no, Nomad yeah. Land is really special, but yeah, I, I uh, think Borat yeah. is much, much more than the sum of its parts. You know, you're not. Yeah, you're not. You're you're not wrong, and I don't. And I don't think you're alone. I, I there. You know, I I remember that there were there was uh, around the time of the nominations and stuff. People were taught, or or I I should say, I mean, it made a lot of critics' best movie uh, like their top ten lists. Mm-hmm um because it you know it had that it yeah because it had you know for what it for what it is it, it does it it is it's everything that you said i don't want to repeat just repeat everything that you said because it does uh it it does it's a it's funny yet it also is it's so uncomfortable it's also you know it also it, it's uh you know a mirror to you know who we are as a country um both good and bad uh mostly not good um but uh yeah so um yeah so i don't i yeah it's hard uh best movie of the year yeah you're probably right probably yeah, not. Maybe not. Probably, but, probably got but, it right but i'm so i'm so glad when you when you when you when you texted it to me i did initially think is he joking no i'm not <laughs> Yeah, I think he likes it's it. like the movie. That. I am joking and I'm not joking. It's both. Yeah, it really is both. And and that's what's fun and what that's what's miraculous about it. And it also just mechanically, I'll say it again because I kind of said it, but I'll just say it in clearer words. It's a sequel to an unsequelized 
project. It just is yeah. an impossible thing yeah, that to, none to of us knew it, was coming. And then all of a sudden, poof, it was here. And it you, was here. You, the and day you heard about it was the day you could turn it on and watch it. That sort yeah. of immediacy was amazing and miraculous to mm -hmm. me. So, And again, to be able to do the, to have such a huge for like a hidden camera ambush sort of comedy character that's sort of designed to make a lot of people fool seem foolish to be able to re have that character out there again mm. doing it uh, just kind of um, in a world kind of that a, had changed so dramatically honestly mm -hmm. yeah. in a you know what i mean and and it it was the borat for those times and that's pretty neat mm -hmm. And of course, it gave. Uh, it's going to give this show because Ryan picked it as his uh, best film. It's going to give this show our new catchphrase, which is, "My Ryan." Is that our new catchphrase? My, oh, my, I get it. You're our, doing Borat. Do, yeah, my Ryan. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's Borat's awesome. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I part of it is I've. I, he wasn't a surprise to me when he did his movie. I watched all those sketches. I'd seen the show. Yep. It. He just he's so funny he's based on a real guy a real a doctor that sasha baron cohen knew in england from i not from kazakhstan but this sort of eastern european guy who was just this he's so here i am you know and his ideas and the things he says are so mm -hmm. ridiculous and his 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 connection with western culture is so skewed by our worst stuff <laughs> Right. And yet he's impossible not to love because he's just so authentic to himself. And because even when he's saying the most twisted, awful thing, he's such a good hearted person. It's, mm -hmm. it's a fun way to evaluate racism. I worked with a, a, a local celebrity here, Miss Richfield, 1981, she's called for oh, yeah. uh, almost a decade. And that the humor of racism or the humor of the humor of ignorance Innocent ignorance can shine a light on our darker selves and do it in a way that we can digest and yet still do it in a very meaningful way. And that's, to me, yeah. that's what the Borat character is. And I love that. Yeah, I yeah. love being able to laugh at that and I love being moved by it. It's amazing. So I'm sorry. I'm now I'm repeating myself. Well, here, maybe I'll, I mean, so yeah, you know, let's talk more about Borat. Let's talk about all oh, the orchestra's coming up. Oh, oh, no. I want to thank, I, I mean, definitely want to thank my wife and my kids and good night, everybody. Um, so, uh, they really um, wanted to play people off. They should bring back the hook, right? Yeah. Let's go all the way. <laughs> just, just go all the, yeah. Cause now everyone's like, they, it's a badge of honor. Oh, they tried to play me off, but I talked through them. Um, I never liked the, the playoff end. anyway. I mean, I don't like people who talk for nine minutes in an acceptance speech, but mm -hmm. I've never liked the playoff. I've never liked the time limits on stuff. I mean, it. you made a best documentary short, and this is your moment. You know, th 20 seconds, it, it's your moment to say what you want. It should be about yeah. those people. It should not be about the the songs and the sketches and the goofiness and all the crap that they load that show up with. Right. Which, so, I mean, I really believe that. Of course, I'm in the minority. They took that stuff away last year, primarily because of COVID, and had what I thought, although it had an ignominious ending, which we'll get to here in a second. That's what I was but like, yeah, it, But up until then, it had what I thought was this incredible ceremony that was all about the art, 
where people were talking directly to other people in the audience that they'd work with, where the speeches were not timed or played off. There was no band. There was a DJ. I loved that. Mm -hmm. Um, and they kind of did their thing. And for the most part, they got to the end and they were polite about it and they left. And it was the most diverse field of stuff I'd ever seen. The most interesting group of people that had ever won. It was a weird field of movies to be fair. So I don't know how the quality of movies lines up with, you know, other ceremonies yeah. past or whatever. But, but I loved the way they did that ceremony. Alternatively, they could have easily just done it in February and should have, they didn't need to wait till April to do it. Right. But, and they certainly don't have to this year, but I really was digging it. Although a lot of people, I was, I was in the minority. There are a lot of people who just want to see the dresses. They want to hear the snark. They want to see some comedian making fun of Jack Nicholson. They just, you know, they just want that old school hammy crap. Yep. And I sympathize because I sort of enjoy that. I like a, like a, a Billy Crystal medley as much as anybody. That's fun. But, mm -hmm. but. Or what would, did John Stewart say? Remember after after the rap song one, he goes, "You know what? I think it just got a little bit easier in here for a pimp." That's true. <laughs> Every once in a while, yeah. you know, if you bring a comedian on board, you get some spontaneous thing that's really wonderful. Yeah, this yeah. was very staid and dull, and I get it. it was very formal. I get it, but it was really about the films, and you learned about the documentaries and you learned about the animation and you learned about all mm -hmm. this stuff. It was cool. Um, but it, it really effed up in one key way <laughs> that became the story. And it's really a shame because it didn't just become the story of the night, which it was going to be. If you walk out there and you're like, it's La La Land. Oh, no, nope, it's Moonlight. <laughs> Whatever yeah, came before yeah. that, that's what happened, right? That's the thing. Right. This had a similar thing. They saved uh, best actor category to the end. I don't know. I don't. I guess that's not unprecedented, but it's, a, it's highly unusual. Um, yeah. Instead of doing best picture at the end, because they thought that Chadwick Boseman was going to win best actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is a really good movie based on a mm -hmm. remarkable play. I do believe it's a better movie than a play, which I think is so, or a better play than a movie, which is sort of. What, where the movie falls down a little bit. But Chadwick's electric in it. He's really, really good in it. He had just passed away. He's a, He really is a hero to us all on and off the screen. Like, I get what you're going for. Yeah, but yeah. You're, you're still gambling on the inevitability of this happening. It feels like nowhere along the way did somebody said, what if Riz Ahmed wins? He absolutely could have won, and it wouldn't have been shocking to me. Right. What if did anyone see the father? What if, what if Anthony Hopkins wins? He's not even here. We don't even have a satellite link up to him. He's like working on some other project over in England. Right. What are you going to do in that case? Like they just whoever yeah. if you ask that question and were ignored, bravo to you, sir or madam, whoever you are. If nobody asked that question, what what were you thinking? It gave the whole evening this sense of defeat and sadness and failure. Right. Which was strangely appropriate considering the, the, the last year that, uh, that we had all just gone through. I was like, Oh, we can celebrate a lot of things, but ultimately everything's going to be a little bit disappointing. I believe uh, that Riz and Anthony Hopkins were 
and frankly, the two fellows in in uh, Black Messiah, I really believe they were better in better films. I think uh, Bozeman is amazing in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. If you want to see that, I'd recommend you see Fences first. If you're going to dive yeah. into the world of this particular playwright, um, I think that's an easier one to watch. But the thing that a, a play, what's the playwright's name? I'm slipping slipping my mind. Um, uh, August Wilson. August Wilson. Yeah, August Wilson. Yep. The thing about an August Wilson play is that the pain and the struggle of a lifetime comes out over the course of a real-time moment. Not all of his plays are like that, but the vast majority of them, that's what they are. That is an anti-cinematic in a way. It's hard to explain, but that's just, we don't do that as people. It doesn't ring true. It's, it's Sorkin-esque, where we just... Everything happens at one afternoon while they're while these musicians are gathered to do this recording session. It's still, despite its theatricality, it's still a powerhouse film with an incredible. Uh, yeah. the, really, the it's the lady who plays Ma Rainey. It's her movie yeah, more than Violet I think Davis. it is his. Yeah, but he's amazing in it, and he's provided a supporting ensemble that is equally amazing in it. Um, Denzel Washington, it's on his list of things to do. He produced that film is to produce or direct as many August Wilson plays as he can before he checks out. Right. That was fences. It's kind of the pinnacle and you gotta, gotta start with that one, which he did. That's a fantastic film. This is also a great way for everybody to experience that play, but it does feel a little stagey. It's only got two locations. They're really upstairs and downstairs of the same location. It, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It is very stagey. Chadwick's great in it, but maybe he's not the best of the year. It probably isn't. Maybe it's the best performance right. of his career, or it isn't. It's right up there with them. You just... Just assuming he was going to get a Lifetime Achievement Award at his age for that movie, I think, that not a lot of folks saw, I think was... Because it had just come out, although right. the Oscars were much later. I still think... I still think that was wrong-headed, and it, it it you you proved it to yourselves that it was right. So now, and so now we're yep. left with that. And now I'm sitting here going, "Yeah, Chadwick didn't deserve to win," which makes me feel terrible inside. So the whole the whole thing was just a <laughs> failure for everybody. It was for whatever oh your take. The, whole, the <laughs> night. I mean, it was. Oh God, yeah, that moment that there, you know, and yeah, and and the fact that you know, in in, in frankly. Thank goodness it was Anthony Hopkins who wasn't there. Yeah, that right. One. Can you imagine? Because what if it was Riz Ahmed who then who was there? Everyone is just everyone's just going. Oh, what? No. And Riz Ahmed has to get up there it, for the biggest moment of his professional life. And in and this in it, this mood of what the f happened here? Yeah. 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 And you know and. Uh, and his yeah his moment is is gone is done and yeah and, you know and it, so thank goodness frankly that yeah 24 the, hours the there was this little youtube that somebody who had a smartphone i don't think anthony hopkins has one loaned him on whatever project he was doing where he's like yeah well i won the wow i, I really was not expecting okay. that yeah no, yeah no shit you weren't <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> nobody was i yeah so then that was you know what? And that was the And Academy we had this Award didn't we we had this huge conversation about how there's not enough diversity in Hollywood and blah 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 and I can't believe that another English white guy won best actor and it 
that's it's such a shame because those Oscars specifically in that ceremony was so the opposite of that in spirit. If you go back and look mm-hmm. at it and you look at what mm-hmm. won, you look at the people who spoke and what the things they talked about. It was gloriously diverse and wonderful, and it just makes me sad yeah. that they yep. that they shot themselves in the foot in that particular way. Because yeah, yeah, because that you know you, you put you put the best actor category where it kind of traditionally is, uh, then you know you have that shock, but then you still have Chloe Zhao winning, and that would have been you know. And, and I yeah, the show would have ended with Francis McDormand, Anthony Hopkins, and Nomadland winning. So it really would have been an all white people show, no question. But oh, yeah, but the I, I'm but not saying director. Usually they do director before picture, you know, at the end there, and you would have had Chloe Zhao up there. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Yeah, so it would have been yeah, right maybe. in there if it even if it wasn't yeah. right before pit best picture. In right. any case, typically they move it elsewhere because it's usually the same person who wins. So it's usually right, right before the main acting awards. Yeah, they they have sort of done that but the last several they, years. They've been day, yeah. playing with it. They've been shuffling things around. They've been trying to do which things I'm all for. Lately. Which I'm all for. Let's let's you know let's yeah let's you know yeah, yeah it's not your advent- bit, sense but... of adventure academy that we're arguing with. It's that your choices yeah. have been wrong yeah well folks, that was not yeah, that... not so much who won or who didn't win which i don't even this show which is all about last year's oscars doesn't really concerning itself with that so much as you know celebrating and evaluating these films and these performances so yeah yeah, yeah. uh that folks is the movie show with joel and ryan's alternative 2020 oscars We're going to talk about all of the movies of 2021. Maybe not all of them, but a whole bunch of them. A bunch of them. A whole bunch of them. And we're going to, like I say, unlike previous years, instead of just squeezing them all in for fun, we're going to take our time with them over the next few weeks. So we hope you indulge Mm -hmm. us with that. But these days, more than any days, I don't think there's a lot of hidden gems in there. There's no uh, the man who killed Hitler and then the Bigfoot hiding in there. Right. Um, Yeah. Like films that really are off the radar. But... Yeah, but we do hope that we're going to point you in the direction of, you know, because, hey, we, we, we're we still mostly stuck inside. We're still mostly, yeah. you know, we're, uh, you know, we can get out a little bit, but, you know. People with kids, all- there's only so many adult movies you get to squeeze into your schedule. We're going to just help you pick them. I mean, that's really the idea. And whether I love mm-hmm. something or don't, I'm, I like I said, I'm going to, we're going to try and whatever our opinions we're going to try and provide clarity to each project that's the new mission so that's what's coming up next we're glad to be back we're super thrilled and grateful that you're back with us yeah and ryan obviously it's always uh great to spend a couple hours with my friend on a saturday oh yeah uh you can reach out to us at the movie show with joel and ryan page on facebook uh and on youtube if you're watching this uh the the video version of the podcast please make sure to give us a like and subscribe uh and like and subscribe us wherever you get your podcasts whether it's apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify etc uh please make sure to uh give us a subscribe give us a like you know maybe say some nice things about us we're pretty good guys i think um and uh and 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 uh yes you can also reach out to it at ask joel and ryan twitter instagram tiktok and i failed on my uh on my 
uh, my promise, I, I let everyone down. I did not post some TikTok content uh, over the holiday break, but I uh, the holidays were very, very busy as uh, they were for everybody. But that's on me. Oh, just disappointment after disappointment to end this show. Chadwick Bozeman, Joel screwed up. Um, but uh, the orchestra uh, played us off. It was the orchestra a played us off. Oh my gosh. My uh, but, but yes, and of course you can email us at uh askjoelandryan at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us again. We're it's another year. We're back. Join us. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.